Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, you may be seated. This morning, we are also asking, Lord, teach us to pray. The last time I stood up here, I told you a story of a young seeker who approached Sister Mary Martha with the same request as this unnamed disciple. Teach us to pray. Teach me to pray, she said. And you rem may remember that Mary Martha's response was, quietly hold before God two questions. Who are you and who am I? When Jesus responds to the anonymous disciples' request for a lesson on prayer, he begins by answering Mary Martha's first question. He tells his disciples, when you pray, say, Father. Say, Abba. In so saying, Jesus is breaking with the customs of the day Instead of addressing the all-powerful, transcendent creator God by saying, Lord God, King of the universe, for example, he teaches his followers to say simply, Father, Abba. In American English, Daddy or Papa would be a good translation. This one word then also contains an answer to Mary Martha's second question. Who am I? To say Abba is to speak in the trusting dialect of a little child. In that one word, Jesus teaches us to set aside formality and exchange our arrogance for, for the weakness and humility of a child. Today's Luke version of our Lord's Prayer is a condensed version of Jesus' prayer taught in, in the, on the Sermon on the Mount. There he began with Abu, our Father. Again, Jesus teaches a shocking intimacy with the infinite transcendent God. His answer to who are you, God, is your God is a very loving and compassionate father who holds you by the hand and in a, is as close to you as your daddy and very generous. In what follows, the word Abba, Jesus, what follows the word Abba, Jesus demonstrates brevity is preferred to verbosity simplicity to complexity, and familiarity to formality. Each of his statements could be the topic of a separate sermon. May your name be revered. Your kingdom come. Give us our necessary food and forgive us our sins. But Jesus leaves these statements without comment. Instead, he returns to the question, of who is the God we pray to by sharing a rather strange and humorous story. 
It's important that we notice the humor in Jesus' teaching. Why? Because whatever we learn about Jesus, we learn about the Father. He once said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So if we rarely see God as humorous, lighthearted, and playful, consider the log and the speck in his teaching on judging others, or the camel going through the, eyes, the eye of a needle. If we are made in the image of God and delight in being playful, we can be sure God was playful long before we were born. For, an amazing, for some amazing examples, Google strange animals when you get home. In this story, a man needs something to feed a visiting friend and waits till it's late at night and everyone is in bed to go ask his friend for a couple of loaves of bread. The guy keeps shouting at the window and banging at the door till a friend can't take it anymore, gets up, steps over his wife and children who are all sleeping on mats on the floor and proceeds to wake the whole household just to get rid of an annoying neighbor. Can you see the smile on Jesus' face? He has put an annoyed and reluctant neighbor in the place of God. And the one representing the prayer makes a pest of himself. Some say that the story is simply about persistence in prayer. And it's true that the one asking doesn't give up till he gets his bread. But when Je what Jesus follows up with once again puts the emphasis on the character of the Father, Abba is not a reluctant giver, nor is he annoyed with our asking. Yes, Jesus teaches, your father knows what you need before you ask him. In fact, Abba is so kind and responsive, you ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who, who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Then, to add emphasis, says, emphasis, he says, even human and sinful fathers give good gifts to their children. But your Father in heaven is much more generous than any human father. He not only provides for your daily needs, he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And in saying so, he has told us what God wants us to pray for. He has no problem with us asking for daily bread and the other needs and concerns. But since our Father already knows all these items in our, on our prayer list, we ask, seek, and knock as Jesus teaches. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then he promises all these other things will be given to you too. The psalmist says it this way. One thing will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. 
and see his fair beauty and seek his will in his temple. Seeking for God's kingdom and righteousness and asking to see his beauty and to know his will cannot be far from asking from the Holy Spirit. If we lose everything else on earth, which we certainly will someday, we will find great peace and joy in the Father's kingdom where selfish and destructive behaviors are unheard of. This can only be a place where the Holy Spirit has changed every rebellious heart into what, to want what God wants. Teaching on the mountain, Jesus said the same thing, but with a caution. Don't pray to impress others with your holiness. Instead, when you pray, go into your inner room and shut the door and pray to the Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So where is this inner room that Jesus speaks of? He himself liked to pray in the wilderness. So what is Jesus suggesting as he talks to a crowd of people, uh, most of whom live in one-room houses? Perhaps the desert fathers and mothers were right when they understood the inner room as the place deep within themselves, the inner person of the heart that Paul wrote of. When we take Jesus' recommendation to pray in the inner room, metaphorically, as they did, we understand that he is inviting us to meet with our Heavenly Father in the secret place where he lives in us. Entering into that space within, he says, shut the door. That is, we shut the door on the thoughts and worries of this world outside this sanctuary of quiet serenity. Here with the Father, we feel safe, secure, peaceful. There is no hurry. There is nowhere else to go. There is nothing more important to do. We sit with Mary at the feet of Jesus and allow his words to sink into our hearts. And as our thoughts fade into the background, the Father, represented by the Holy Spirit, reveals who he is. Could this be the Father's secret reward that Jesus promises? We can be sure that our prayer will be answered according to Jesus' words. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This inner sense of being full of peace that passes understanding may be part of the Father's reward. The shimmering sensation, the lightness of limb, the warm joy that wells up from deep within and causes you to feel intensely loved and grateful. That someone enjoy, some enjoy these moments of communion with God may be a small sign of the Father's reward. But I think it is not actually the Spirit's fullness that they are feeling. 
That reality is far greater than our human senses can bear. Nonetheless, there are clear promises that we can believe that we can believe for when we ask for the Holy Spirit instead of all the other wants and needs and worries on our minds. Ezekiel prophesied, I will cause the Spirit to enter you and you will come to life. The psalmist tells us, you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. And most importantly, Jesus teaches the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. For when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. <clears throat> Excuse me. At times, you and I cannot find the words to tell of it, but Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And most relevant to the subject of how to pray is the, uh, uh, that the, the, I'm all mixed up here. The most <laughs> relevant to the subject of how to pray is spelled out by St. Paul. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, letting our own anxious and repetitive thought patterns go. Not once, but many times, the Holy Spirit brings people and situations to mind, and together with the Holy Spirit, we tenderly and confidently lay them in the extended arms of the Father. No words are needed. This is intercession. And what about the who am I question? Our request for the Holy Spirit now answered helps us understand that body, soul, and spirit, we are containers of the Spirit of God, both individually and corporately. Every molecule of our bodies, indeed every subatomic particle that's and the spaces that they fly in are brimming with the Spirit's love. You are more and more a lover of God, neighbor, and self, and indeed a lover of all creation because you are increasingly able to see through the surface of things and perceive the beauty of the Creator in them. As Elizabeth Browning wrote, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every bush of fire with God, but only those who see take off their shoes. Or better yet, listen to these spirit-inspired words of Paul. God chose to make known how great are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. For in Christ the whole fullness of the deity bodily dwells, and in him, you have been completely filled. 
No more coming to God at the last minute to bang on the door for a loaf of bread. Instead, in the inner room of our hearts, we turn to him moment by moment saying, Abba, Abba, give us your spirit and we will be satisfied.